When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. <laughs> It's Purple Daily. Well, they gave us a lot of different looks, um, you know, very similar to what Chicago did a year ago. Big pick bodies in the middle, two edge rushers when they're in their 3-4 their aggressive, get up the field and try and knock people back, and then the linebackers can really flow. Um, you know, I saw one play where even the guard had him cut off, and uh, he went back door of him and then still ended up making a tackle. So they got guys that they can really run. And then I think their secondary does a great job of disguising, which they did again in Chicago as well, with uh, Ed Donatello, same same guy, same coach. All right, that was Mike Zimmer talking about Vic Fangio's defense that the Vikings will play. And myself, Matthew Collar, and Alex Boone will get to our favorite matchups of this game. Jeremiah Searles, former Vikings offensive lineman, going to join us at 2.30. At 3.15, former Broncos offensive lineman and broadcaster Ryan Harris, also a Minnesota guy, will join us as well. What is going on, Alex? How are you? I'm doing fabulous. How are you? I am doing really well. So I've got lots of questions for you, but I want to start out with this. I want to start out with a scenario for you, okay? Mm -hmm. Because I've noticed online that there are raging arguments about Kirk Cousins and just how much credit he gets for the uh, win the other night. Of course, the go-ahead drive is handing off 10 straight times, and there's a lot of screen passes and things like that, which should not take away from what he's done all season, which is to have a very, very good year overall. And you, you don't get to the top of the NFL in quarterback rating by being... Like, not good at football, right? right? right. So he's had a very good year. But I was thinking about this, because the, the biggest question that exists about Kirk Cousins is not whether he could throw a screen pass to Delvin Cook in a big game and have Delvin Cook run for a bunch of yards. And it's not whether he can run play action against the bad defense and then huck it down the field to Stephon Diggs. We all know that he can do that. Right. It's, it's always going to be about third downs in big games, third and longs, when teams slow down your running game. So I want to present this scenario to you. If you were a Vikings fan, let's say, and I gave you these two options, you can either have Kirk Cousins with the ball at his own 25-yard line and two minutes to go down and score a game-winning touchdown, or you can have whatever other team with the ball and Mike Zimmer's defense to keep them from scoring a touchdown, to win a playoff game, to go to the NFC Championship. Are you picking give Kirk Cousins the ball with two minutes left to go and go score that touchdown, or are you picking uh, we don't want the ball, we want to stop the other team from going down to score? I think that it's dependent on how is Dalvin doing that day. 
I think if Dalvin's having an up day, I say we take the ball on offense. I think if Dalvin's having a really down day, I say, hey, listen, why don't we let our defense try and stop him? I mean, that doesn't sound too unreasonable. I mean, it sounds crazy when you're saying it, but like in the moment when you're like, hey, listen, how are we really going to do this? Do we want to have our defense go out and start the momentum, or do we want our offense to go out? And it's all predicated on Dalvin. And how is he doing? How is he doing that day? Is he, you know, if he's been playing like he's been playing against, uh, you know, the Cowboys, where there were guys just falling off of him and bouncing every which way off of him. Yeah, I'm taking the ball and we're going to hand it off 10 straight times. You're going to try and stop it. And I don't care. So let's say in this scenario, though, you have no timeouts left. So okay. it's just two minutes, no timeouts. Kirk's going to have to throw the ball. Now he's got Delvin. He could throw the ball to Delvin. And clearly that works <laughs> there you go. pretty well, as we saw against Dallas. Um, are you are you still picking the defense or with you know with, with that scenario where I've basically taken the run game out of it and I've said right, right. do you believe in your quarterback to go win this game or would you rather say like the other night where where Dak Prescott's got the ball and it's the defense's job to stop him and ultimately they helped with this with bad play calling but ultimately right. the Vikings defense bent and did not break and uh, ended up winning the game that way the week before against Matt Moore he comes up with a couple of big plays so your defense is kind of hit or miss this year I think in the past we all would have said let's just give it to the other offense and, and we'll stuff them and that'll be it because it's Zimmer's defense when it shows a little bit of holes and there's still a good case for picking the defense. I wonder if that tells us something about how we still feel about the quarterback position here, despite the fact that Kirk Cousins has had a really great season. No, I, I, if we're just saying, hey, listen, there's two minutes, no timeouts, you got to throw the ball, I'm still... I think that Kirk's been doing a great job. I think people overlook him because Dalvin is so special, and they're like, Mm -hmm. dude, look what he's been doing. And it's a lot of it is just basically Dalvin being Dalvin, right? It's just running into people and running them over and still not breaking. Like He doesn't seem like he's wearing down, which is so impressive because you look around this league and some of these running backs are like not practicing all week, and then they're going out in the game and playing the whole game, and they're not practicing. But Dalvin seems to be fine week in and week out, so he's tough. And I think that is overshadowing what Kirk's doing. Now, Kirk's having a phenomenal year. Yeah, he started out a little shaky, and there are times where you feel bad for him. As an offensive lineman, I'm watching. I see him getting hit, and maybe other people don't. And there's some of those hits are really tough. So I'm like, dude, this dude is actually kind of a tough player. you know. And he sits back there, and he does what he has to do. He's a great game manager. He does a great job with the ball as of lately, not turning it over, taking care of it. That's another thing. You know, you look at these quarterbacks like a Dak Prescott, and one of his biggest knocks is he doesn't take care of the ball. And how crucial is that in certain games? You don't know in the fourth quarter, hey, listen, to win the game, is your boy going to throw an interception or is he going to fumble it? Like, I don't know. That's a lot. So I think he's doing a great job. It's just overshadowed by how important Dalvin is and how amazing he's doing. What do you think it is that's been the difference with Kirk in terms of the turnovers? Because last year, and mostly in his past, he's had this strip sack issue. And even though he's never thrown tons and tons of interceptions, he was always good for like 10 interceptions a year, and nine of them would be big. Nine of them would be at the worst possible time. And this year, he has not done that so much. I think a lot of it's the guys playing around him. I think it's a lot of, um, you know, obviously, uh, Stephon Diggs. He's one of the greatest receivers in the league right now. Adam Thielen, when he comes back. I mean, those guys can make great plays. And they make things that are really hard look really, really routine. And that's what's so awesome about them. Like, they do this on a regular basis. I think that, obviously, Kirk looks a little more calmer in the pocket at times. I think he looks like he's kind of taking 
full control of this offense and really absorbed it and been like, listen, this is what I like from it. Let's continue to do this. And I think it was a learning process, too, because when you're talking about camp and a new OC and you're bringing in Kubiak and two guys that are going to mesh, you know, I mean, let's be honest. I think everybody was kind of like, how is this going to go, right? Like, this could go really bad. Two guys in the room just completely fighting all the time. Like, this is not going to work. But they really made it really work. And you had to think that it was going to take maybe a week or two to kind of get it set up and how they were going to work it. But I think that so far this year, Kirk's done a great job. And I think that's overshadowed by Dalvin. But he's doing a great job with being hit a lot and having people in his face and having to do it on the run to the left, which, once again, nobody knows how hard that is. Like, oh, he's just rolling off to the left. Like, dude, you have to throw it across your body with the momentum like of the perfect stride. Like, you have to be in mid-stride to throw that ball or else it doesn't work. Like, how incredible. And the, some of the lasers that he's thrown out of that are incredible. Did you see the uh, stat that he has a perfect quarterback rating this year when rolling to his left? Um, I, it's incredible. Yeah, I, I did a piece on this and did some interviews about him just rolling to his left. And it, it just part of his skill set and part of Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski realizing he does this well. So let's do it with him all right. the time. Like, oh, the guy is good at rolling to his left for some reason. We don't need an explanation for why. Just make him do it. It's uh, just weird, though. I mean, you never really see anybody boot out to the left, do you? I mean, it's just like one of those things like, man, doesn't that look back? It doesn't look back. It does look weird, but okay, he just seems to, to know how to do it. Yeah, it's great at it. Uh, okay, so here would be the reason that I might still pick giving the ball to the defense, even though I want to give Kirk Cousins the credit he deserves for having a legit great season. I mean, this is not just okay. This is not empty numbers. Like last year, the 4,000 yards, the 30 touchdowns, you could point to a lot of games where, yeah, you were down in the fourth quarter two scores, though, and you racked up a couple hundred yards when right. you were down uh, on, I think it was, what, Monday night football or Sunday night football to the Saints, and then there was the game in um, Chicago where they're down a bunch and, and they get the yards, but it doesn't really mean anything. Well, this year, the yards are legit. They've uh, directed them toward winning. The touchdowns are legit. Like Everything is not just garbage yards. Um, but his quarterback rating in third and more than six yards to go is 70.7. And he's only completing 54% of his passes in those situations. And that has been a thing for him pretty much for his entire career because that's a, a, a tiny sample size right there. But even if you look at his entire career, Third and more than six, when it's got to be the straight drop back, it's got to be decisive decisions, it's got to be um, you know tight window throws and anticipatory throws and things like that. I don't think that those are necessarily something he is great at as a quarterback, like someone like Russell Wilson or Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger uh, when he's playing and at his prime. And that's where I would still say that's the reason... Why, if you're a Vikings fan, you would have this hesitancy despite a really, really good season. Right. I just, once again, stats are always so weird to me because there's so many variables that go into a stat, right? Like, oh, he's not good at third and six plus. Who the hell is? Like, third and six plus, you t- it takes time. The routes have to develop. Not only that, but the offensive line has to be perfect. There's so many variables that go into this. And you're like, well, he's not good on third and six plus. Like, if that's really the only thing he's not good at, okay, I mean, we're, that's, that's workable. That's really good. And so far, I mean, you're looking at this and you're like, man, there's a lot to throw at him. And, yes, you're going to throw a lot on the quarterback. Number one, he's the quarterback. Everything has to fall on him, and he knows yep. that. And But there are times where it's not always going to be his fault, but he's still going to have to take the credit. And sure. I think that that's where sometimes, for me, it's hard to always come down on a guy because you're like, listen, it's great for everybody else, but I've been out there in the field, and I know how hard it is to go third and six plus. Like, don't, when you're talking third and seven, 
plus, normally that's when everybody's pressure goes up, right? Because they're like, hey, listen, we can get there by the time the receivers break their route. So that's when all the pressure's coming. That's when all the TTs are coming. That's when all the TEs are coming. That's when everything, all the garbage is coming. And you're like, man, sort through all of that. That's tough to do. So for me, that's like, man, that's one of those stats that's like, I don't know if I could really die with that one. Yeah, no, and I get that. Uh, But when you look at a bigger sample of guys on third and long, I think it's where the difference is made between your good quarterbacks and your great quarterbacks, and the stats would back that up. Number one over the last five years in, and I know he hasn't played this long, but quarterback rating third and long plus is Patrick Mahomes at 107. But not far behind him you have Tom Brady, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, all the Aaron Rodgers, all all the best quarterbacks there, and you go down, and then you've got your mid pack guys, which is more in your, in your Kirk Cousins ballpark. He's got an eighty four quarterback rating, seven point three yards per attempt. Neither one of those numbers are great, and I think it does tell you a little bit about he's very comparable to Alex Smith in, in those mm. situations, and to Andy Dalton in those situations. It kind of tells you a little bit about like how vast your capabilities are as a quarterback. So you look at Russell Wilson the other night, and it's third and 16. Now, if that's Kirk Cousins, he's sacked. But with (laughs) Russell Wilson, he's not sacked. I mean, he can break out of it, and he can make a throw down the field. And that's when, if you're telling me he's got the ball, he's got two minutes to score at his own 25-yard line, certainly has the receivers to do it, certainly has the running back who can catch the ball on a screen and run 20 or 30 yards to do it. Um, But eventually, there's going to be one of those spots where he has to make a tight window throw when there's pressure coming, when there's deep drop coverage that isn't going to give you a whole lot of space to throw the football, and you just have to make a special play. And I think that that would be the one reason, because we haven't really seen him do that in his career too many times, that would be the one reason people would still be hesitant on Cousins. Now, I tend to think that the offensive setup he has could allow the Vikings to win playoff games by two touchdowns anyway because their offense is just so explosive. But normally, though, it usually comes down to at some point in the playoffs which quarterback can make a play and then you win by a score. That's why I love that game the other night between Seattle and San Francisco. It was which quarterback is going to make a play and that's going to be the game and that was Russell Wilson. Right, and which quarterback isn't going to lose it for him? And look, and remember when Russell handed the ball off to the O lineman? It was just terrible. Like, dude, what are you doing? Go, it's a strange God. choice. Terrible. But you, you know, I, I we've said this on this show. You know, your running game's going to get you in the playoffs, and then the quarterbacks are going to separate everybody once they get in there because those windows are going to get tighter. Those defenses are going to get a little bit tougher. You know, you're going to stop the runs. They're going to start scheming you up better. They're going to bring pressure, and it's like, man, this is when you really have to be at your best. And for me right now, I think Kirk's doing a great job. I Like I said, I think people are throwing him under the bus a lot, and I think a lot of it is really just the way he is. And people are still kind of poking fun at, you know, uh, you know I hear Florio talking about, oh, do you notice how he makes it a team win? Sure, in three weeks it could be a team loss. Like, people have nothing really bad to say about him, so they want to just start throwing out all these scenarios and, oh, listen, he's going to wait three weeks, he's going to turn on the team. Dude, he's doing really well. He's looks like he's taking control of this offense. More importantly, it looks like he's being a leader out there to me. And the offense is responding well, even without Thielen. And there's going to be another huge test this week because this team, while they look, yeah, on offense, they're sorry. On defense, they're not. So it's going to be a good test. 
You know, it's made me think a lot about how we evaluate quarterback play and how difficult it is and how it's just constantly this moving target because of scenarios and systems, which we've seen here, really play out from last year's system to this year's system. And how do we decide how to rank or how to value different quarterbacks? Because this is going to be a major part of the conversation this offseason for the Vikings is do we approach Kirk Cousins with a contract extension after this year because he's going into the final year of his deal? What is it worth? What is he worth to this team? How would another quarterback with a similar skill set fit in? How would a quarterback with a different skill set fit in? And trying to decide... Who's good and who's not at this is one of the hardest things, I think, in in all of sports to just figure out, is your favorite quarterback good? And this is why, I mean, the the debates rage on, right? But, like, let me use Jared Goff as an example. At the end of last year, Jared Goff is one of the standout best quarterbacks in the NFL for two straight years. Listen to his numbers through 2017 and 18. He went 24 and 7, 60 touchdowns, 19 picks, 100 quarterback rating, and over eight yards per attempt, almost 275 yards a game. That's a superstar, right? And then this year, five and four, he's got a 82 quarterback rating. It's just gone in the dumpster. He's averaging mediocre yards per attempt. And I think it's because his offensive line fell apart, his running game has fallen apart, and all of a sudden he's not good. So is Jared Koff good or or not good? Right? It, it, to me, I, I have such a, a tough time figuring this out aside from a handful of quarterbacks in the NFL. Right. Well, I think it's because a handful of them are super old, so we've seen their body of work. <laughs> yes, I mean, that's right. No, that's right. Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers. We've seen 15 years at least of all of their work, so we're like, yeah, that dude's good. Number one, they've been doing it for a long time, like playing at a very high level. They set the bar or are at the bar every single year, right? So that makes them really good. For guys like Jared Goff and you know Deshaun Watson, all these young guys, it's too too early to tell. I mean, you're in, going into year five. Some of these guys are going into year 20. Like, dude, come at me when you've gone 12 years. Then we can turn around and go, okay, what have you done? Have you been to the playoffs? Have you won playoff games? Have you taken your team without a run game? I mean, there's so many things that I think you can use to evaluate a quarterback. I mean, we, we talk about Aaron Rodgers on here sometimes. We joke back and forth about it. But the truth is there's so many variables that go into that. Number one, he's never really had a good defense with them. Like, he's carried that team for a long time. He's never really had a run game either. So you're looking at this, you're like, man, this guy's kind of done it a lot on his own. That makes you pretty good because you've been doing it for a long time. And then you look, turn around and you look at some of these guys like Tom Brady, who's been with one of the greatest defensive-minded people in the, ever to be in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Ever. Yep. Ever. Yeah, it's not hard to win when you have to score 14 points. Right. I saw a stat about Tom Brady and when he has a quarterback rating in a particular game under 85, which means, you know, you probably didn't play super great. Um, not always accurate, but sometimes. And he's like a 500 quarterback in those scenarios where most quarterbacks barely ever win if they don't play that well. It's incredible. And, and then when he has a quarterback rating over whatever it was, 90, He's lost like two times his career or something crazy, right? Which tells you, I think, a little bit about his circumstances, that his circumstances are very good and can help him win even when he's not great. But he's usually great, and when he's great, you lose when you're playing against him. Uh, Who are we sure is great in the NFL? Like, Brady is great. I think I want to say I'm sure Deshaun Watson is great because I don't think that's a great scenario set up there. And he's just been a dominant player and like MVP-level player, even though it's a pretty meh situation. He's got one good receiver. Yeah. Carlos Hyde is his running back. Like, what? Yeah. Uh, that offensive well, I, line, they they trade for a tackle. He gets hurt immediately. 
Go figure. You know, God. Yeah. Here's my right? question to you: Is do you think that Jimmy Garoppolo is great? No, I don't. I don't. See, there's it's such a, it's such a. I feel like him and Kirk Cousins get the same exact worth because when you look at both of them, you're like they're great game managers. They have great defenses and their run game. That's and great that's play callers. The, I think right. And so you're like, but you have to for the. It's so unfair, I think, at times because as a quarterback, yeah, I do agree. Like you're handing the ball off a lot, but there are still times where they have to lean on them on third down to get things done and. They make great throws. Kirk Cousins to his left makes great throws. Like at times, huge chunk plays, and you're like, man, can't really discredit that. That was really nice, but it does because nobody remembers that. All they remember is Dalvin running somebody over, yep. Ev sacking somebody. You know, yep. so it's like, and your coaches, all they talk about are the run game and the defense. So it's like the quarterbacks get <laughs> sh- kind of thrown under the bus a lot. And I think you know unintentionally, but so many people l- overlook them. Then they go, oh, they're just game managers. I strongly respect your ability to be mid swear and stop it. That was good. Well, um, I, didn't, I wasn't going to swear. You were going to say he got bleeped on, and then you stopped it, and you did a good job, didn't you? Oh no, I swear I wasn't. Yeah. I, no, I think I thought no. you were like halfway to that, and you stopped. No, no, I'll it. let it go. Didn't we have I'll to use the dump out. button on Judd the other day? Yeah, he bleeped the wrong word. Oh, yeah. he bleeped himself. <laughs> but bleeped the wrong word. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. That's classic Judd. Uh, but here's classic a, so Jimmy Garoppolo, Jared Goff. Kirk Cousins, I think all fall into this very similar category. And then I look at Garoppolo's record for his career, and the man is 16 and 3 in 19 starts. But yet, here I am saying, I don't know if he's right. great. I, I just, and, and you know what it comes down to to me is I think that um, if you picture it like just your arms and how far apart they can go, right? That, that is, in my mind, a way to, to demonstrate. Like, you could be all the way to my left and horrible. You could be all the way to my right and elite. If you're Jimmy Garoppolo, depending on your situation, and the same with Jared Goff, which would we've seen. I think if you're Kirk Cousins, I'm not sure how far on the great side, I think we're going to find that out with the perfect scenario, but I definitely know Cousins has an ability to sort of raise your floor. Like if you are a bad team, let's say this year's Washington team had Kirk Cousins, they'd be like seven to nine, right? They're they're not going to lose all the games and be talking about tanking. They're going to win seven because we saw that in 2017. I think every quarterback has their different, how great can it be? How bad can it be? Depending on their skill set. And someone like Lamar Jackson, he's in the perfect scenario with the perfect offensive coordinator with an A plus organization. And we're seeing how great it could be. You could be an MVP candidate, and you could potentially win the Super Bowl. When Tom Brady has this perfect scenario, his great is all-time six rings great. I I think we saw with Jared Goff that it's just going to be real good. But it's not going to be a guy who, whoops, Belichick's doing something messed up to me, and I don't know what to do, and now we lose and don't score any points. Like That's that's Jared Goff, that it can be stopped, I guess. Yeah, that's fair. Does that all make sense? Touchdowns when I draft him, of course. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, totally. No, yeah. I, I understand. The exactly touchdown draft saying. is a whole. It, it, it's a taking whole a sad thing. turn. It's not going super it's... well for either one of us. Uh, <laughs> or anybody, I think. Uh, only Declan, who we made fun of endlessly and has just yeah, been did. gloating for months now. <laughs> uh, and, and I picked Cincinnati Bengals players. So, I mean, Joe Mixon, how does he not score touchdowns at all? What were you thinking? I was thinking they scored a bunch last year, and they had no other options but to give them the ball all the time. That was risky, and there was no upside to that. I'm just going to be honest with you. It was a bad choice. Well, anyway, you're supposed to have been in the NFL and know stuff, but apparently not when it comes to touchdown drafts. Dude, seriously, the one year Drew Brees doesn't play half the year? The one year? (laughs) Seriously? I know. 
<laughs> He's been healthy That's the crap. whole year. Um, before we take a, qu- uh, a quick break and get to Jeremiah Searles to talk a little more in depth about this uh, Vikings and Denver Broncos matchup, give me the quick run-through of why Vic Fangio's defenses are so hard to go against. Because I think this is a game that the Vikings offense will actually be tested. Yeah. They were, for sure, because when you look at Vic, dude, he's so exotic. I mean, he's throwing everything up there, but he barely brings anything. And that's the one thing about him is, you know, like, I remember sitting in rooms and Tom Rathman always broke down the blitzes and he'd be like, this team is a 30% chance of blitz. This team has a 38% chance of blitzing. So it's like, it was always in the 30s. You look at Vic this year, he's at a 23 23% chance of blitzing, but you look at pre-snap at his defense and you're like, dude, what am I looking at? That looks like a whole bunch of stuff I don't even want to mess with. And then all of a sudden everybody drops. And then what happens is there's such confusion because you're like, wait a minute, my guy dropped. I didn't expect that. That everybody that's supposed to drop comes for, you know what I'm saying? Like it's like a yeah. reversal. And he's, yep. it's like the, and you're like, you're driving you crazy because you're like, dude, this, no matter what we're doing, we're never hitting on the right cylinders. And they're always constantly showing you exotic looks and odd front and even front and over front. Run. The problem for me is, are they going to be able to stop the run? And mm-hmm. that's just plain and simple. If you can't stop the run, you can't even show up. I'm sorry. All right. Jeremiah Searles, former Vikings offensive lineman, coming up next. We're going to ask him about Delvin Cook and what he mm. saw early in Delvin Cook's career that may have pointed to the success he's had now, plus how the Vikings offensive line will handle the Denver Broncos. We will discuss that. Alex Boone, Matthew Collar, Purple Daily here on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated, standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download brought to you by AutoZone. Download the Score North mobile app and make sure you register for listening rewards. This month, one lucky app user will win a $200 Visa gift card just for having the mobile app. Just download the app, register the app, and enter through listening rewards. It has a lot to do with it, but, you know, there was a lot of times he did a great job of getting the ball out, too. I mean, those guys, you know, he got hit quite a few times last night. I'm not calling out the offensive line. He got hit a bunch of times last night, and uh, there was times he had to get the ball out quick, and I thought he did that well. That was Mike Zimmer on Monday talking about Kirk Cousins. We asked the question in the first segment, do you trust Kirk Cousins in big games? Let us know your answer over at Score North on Twitter, at SKOR North on Twitter. In search of a car battery that won't let you down even the lowest and even the lowest temperatures, AutoZone has you covered. They have the proven tough Duralast batteries you need to plow through winter. They're tested in the most extreme conditions, so you can count on them to deliver when you need it most. Just visit AutoZone.com to learn more. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Or, Jonathan, if you want to impress the wife like I did the other night, have the battery die, jump it yourself, Mm. and then she's like, wait, you know how to jump a car? And I'm like, oh, whoa. Yeah, that's right. I cover football. And can jump a car. Do you know mm-hmm. how to change the battery? Yep. Can you change yep. the tire, though, is the question. Yes, I have That's done that before. That's a lie. Yep. You almost no, no, said no. no. I caught you no. saying no. I have done this before, and I'll tell you why. It's a little embarrassing. So I was driving into where I used to work where their studio was, and it was one of those like complexes where there's a bunch of 
just, you know, like flowers and stuff like that and flower gardens and beds so they have a, a bunch of curbs. And sure. I was texting and driving. Uh, not that I ever would now, <laughs> but I was then. And I hit one of the curbs of the flower beds and the, <laughs> the tire just went like immediately completely gone. And yes, I got the spare out. I got it on there myself, jacked up the car and drove it, whatever, a half a mile to a car, uh, you know, a, a tire changing place. So That's fair. I can do small things. I built a shelf once. In my house, impressive. From IKEA or by guy. yourself? Uh, I have built IKEA stuff, which is actually Terrible. more compli- complicated than you think. There's it no is. words to their instructions; it's just pictures. It's Terrible. very, very oh. challenging. I built a I built a bed frame once, and it took me like seven hours yep. because I was like, "Wait, <laughs> this piece isn't in any of the pictures. What the hell?" So that's way tougher than uh, it's just that annoying guy smiling at you the entire time. Yeah, I don't. Li- I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, but their furniture, great stuff. They can advertise on the show if they like. Matthew Collar and uh, Alex Boone now joining us. Former Vikings offensive lineman Jeremiah Searles. What's up, Jeremiah? How are you? Oh, hello, friends. How are we? What manly things do you do to impress your wife? Um, I played in the NFL. Does that count? No, oh, no, no. I've seen tons of soft dudes who play in the NFL. So okay. oh! that's, fair. that's fair. I mean, your co-host is one. Hey, so. oh, Ayo, bunch of guys just crushed. talking. I love it. I don't even care. Uh, no, um, I, I will say that I, the manliest thing that I can do around the house right now, can sitting, I'm receiving a, or recovering from surgery is uh, I can hop up the stairs by myself. Oh, okay. So that's, and that's an athletic move, as they would say, yeah. uh, around draft time. Look at that athletic hop. move. Um, yeah. Well, Jeremiah, I want to ask you about Delvin Cook because uh, he's having an MVP caliber season. This is a Ladanian Tomlinson, Marshall Falk level season when you look at his numbers and, and yards from scrimmage. I'm wondering... If you saw that early on with him when he first was drafted to the Vikings, because you're there and Alex is there as well in, in training camp, and I remember myself on the sidelines going, my gosh, well, this is a little bit different. But I'm wondering about your perspective. Like, Did, did you see this coming, an MVP caliber player, when he was first drafted to the Vikings? Yeah, we saw the potential right away. I mean, you could just feel the natural knack that he had for running the football and what he was going to be good at was that kind of mid-inside zone, get him out on the edge. But what surprised me early on when I saw him was his toughness and how much he he doesn't look like the big back, but he's built really well to be able to run in between the tackles too. And so that rookie year, we were like, man, this kid's going to be super special. And then it just sucked the way that he got hurt against the Lions early on in the season. Then last year, he had the hamstring. So this year kind of set up perfectly like, okay, it's, it's a potential year. Like, you know, the potential's there for Dalvin Cook. You've seen the flashes. Can he finally put it all together in year three? And we're seeing what a full complement of everything's firing on all cylinders for Dalvin is how important it is for this football team. And we talked when I was on the segment last time or the show is how the whole offense is running through him at that point. Well, now he's got some other key pieces with Kirk playing better and Diggs and Thielen playing better. And so when he, they can complement and he can really not be the focus of the defense, that's why we're seeing so much more firepower out of him in the last few weeks, especially. Do you think it's enough to take them into the playoffs and not even that, but even farther? Do you think Dalvin alone is enough? I, I think he's a big part of it. I mean, you better, you know how it is in the months of December, you win football games running the football. You, I mean, you, you look at the, what the Patriots do. The Patriots just line up and they get in 21, 22 personnel, put a fullback in there and they just pound the rock. And that's how they beat Kansas City in Kansas City in a bad weather game. That's how they win in Foxborough. 
I mean, when you start getting later into the season, you have to rely heavily on the run game. And having a guy like Dalvin, who you know is going to be there reliable, I think he's a mainstay. The biggest question, like, besides him is, yeah, he can lead you there, but can you lean on the five guys in front of you to actually get you there? And I think that's the bigger question right now. Jeremiah, what have you made of how the Vikings offensive line has improved? Because early in the season, especially with Garrett Bradbury, it was like, uh, how's this going to go here? And I know it's hard to, to jump in as a rookie and play Grady Jarrett and Kenny Clark right off the bat, and you're probably going to look bad as a rookie. But I think his development has been one of their key parts of them uh, improving overall and becoming one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. Absolutely. I think he's improved a ton. I think I think everyone's kind of settling in. And, I mean, the surprise key piece that's really been big is the fact that Dozier's been able to come in and fill in for Epline and fill in for Klein with his uh, injuries that he's been having. And they haven't really missed a beat. Um, he's come in, and I think that's big because every offensive line needs depth. And so, I, I mean, I think Dozier's done a great job. But Bradbury being what he is, and I think Stefanski's done a really nice job as far as not being a square peg in a round hole of, we're going to be a power running football team, which Zimmer, I know, wants to be. Hey, we're going to double team. We're going to smash guys off the ball. But using this offensive line to what's best for them, which is they're fast, they're athletic, and they can get guys moving and they can get creases for Dalvin. So we've kind of seen the shift of the focus on the run game. I mean, that lob stretch play and using C.J. Ham as a still a power running game, but getting out on the edges and getting there. And that's what's Pat's really good at F-line. Brian O'Neill's a big athletic guy. I mean, they're really using the weapons that they have up front to the best of their ability, which is why the run game's been so successful. Moving on into December and even into the playoffs, what's going to be your biggest concern? Because now you're talking about not only some of the good teams, but the best teams. So going forward, is your biggest concern the offensive line or the defensive secondary? Uh, My biggest concern is the defensive secondary. I mean, I think that what was so long a mainstay and a staple for this Mike Zimmer team was the fact that this defense was going to show up and they were going to bully the other team's offense no matter how good that offense was. That's been what the Vikings built themselves up for over these last few years. And then all of a sudden you're kind of seeing it fall apart at the seams. And it's the one guy here and a key guy here. I mean, Harrison Smith here, Xavier Rhodes. I mean, Mike Hughes had a a decent day, but he struggled. And, I mean, it shows Trey Wayne's how important he is, how important Linville is. But – it just seems that the defense hasn't seemed to put it all together yet, but I think that's a better problem to have right now than trying to still figure out the offense. Because I think that defense has enough veterans in it, that defense has enough guys that have been there before, that they'll get it fixed right. quicker than if we were still sitting here going, oh, man, our offense can't score points. Like, it's a lot right. easier to fix a C-ball, sick-ball defense versus a scheme on the offense. That's fair. And now, now, how nice is it, too, though, to have those young guys in the middle of the defensive line stepping up? Especially last week, you're going against an Ezekiel Elliott and one of the best rushers in the league, and you hold him to 50 yards. That interior was getting pushed back, and those are some all-pro players. How big is that for a defense? Oh, it's huge. I mean, it's just like it's just like on the O-line. I mean, D-line depth, being able to have a platoon of eight guys that you know you can platoon the second group in there, and you can take all four starters out and put the all four backups in, and you know that they're going to compete at the same level. Maybe they're not as great of players like an Everson or Daniil, but they will compete right. and they will bust their tail. I mean, a guy like Afadi, who I was there, you were there when he was a freshman, watching how he's developed and the, the journey he's taken to becoming an impact player just shows yeah. how I mean how important that is and how big of a role that guys like that can play. I think of guys like Stephen Weatherly and guys that were seventh, late-round picks that have taken years to get there 
but they've watched, they've learned, they've grown from Everson, and they've grown from guys like Anthony and seen how they work to where now there's not a lot of holes. I mean, you look at that front four of our defense, there's not a lot of holes in there that can't be filled with too deep. Talking with former Vikings offensive lineman Jeremiah Searles, I'm curious about what you think of Eric Hendricks' year because I think that he's been a pro bowler and taken it to another level. Zimmer has said, no, 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 he hasn't. He's the same player. But from my eye, it looks like he has now been a dominant cover linebacker and hasn't missed a dang tackle all season long. I think he's been one of their best players and one of the reasons why the defense is still top 10, even though they've had their struggles outside. What does he show you, I guess, in his development from being a younger guy who would kind of run toward everything that the defense, or I'm sorry, that the offense showed him to what he can do now, one of the best all-around linebackers in the league? Yeah, I mean, you, you know, when he was a young guy, he was a blind dog in a meat house. I mean, he was just running around there, and, and he was—I mean, he was going—he was going sideline to sideline and just almost too fast. And you're like, okay, Eric, slow down. And I remember that's the game plan when we played him in college, my senior year. We played him at UCLA. Like this kid just runs at everything, and so to watch him settle himself down and be able to identify, diagnose, and attack all within a split second is pretty cool to watch. But then also the biggest thing for this year is the fact that he's been in pass coverage a lot. And, I mean, guys throw him fourth down and seven. They're like, hey, we're going to get the matchup on the linebacker with Ezekiel Elliott. And he bats the ball away. He's become an every-down linebacker. I mean, he he looks like Luke Keekley out there. I mean, that's who I would compare him to as I'm watching defenses in the NFL, the way he identifies and he's, he's moving guys around. And granted, yes, it's great to play by middle linebacker behind a guy like Limble who's going to eat up the double team and allow you to make every tackle on the field, but you still got to make it. It's still the NFL. So seeing him get into that has been really cool because he's a great kid and he deserves all the praise that he is getting. I got a question, Jerm, because Matt and I were just talking about Kirk Cousins, and I'm curious to see what you think. Do you think he's underrated or overrated? I think he's he's proving himself to be underrated. I mean, and he rightfully deserved the criticism that he got early on in the year. I mean, if you're a professional athlete, you get criticism, especially when you're paid the kind of money that he's paid and he wasn't performing well. But I think that he's stepped up and he's performed extremely well here in these last few games. I mean, that's the biggest staple win he's got as a Viking. Prime time, Sunday night, in Dallas. Like, those are games where you make or break, I mean, careers, really. Like, can they win the big one? And right. so I think Kirk's finally starting to get that recognition. I mean, he was in Washington, and he kind of went up and down, up and down. Vikings last year's up and down. But if he can maintain the course that he's playing at right now, he will be considered an elite-level quarterback by the end of the year. And he will be the, the, hey, we told you this is exactly what we needed when the Vikings do make a playoff push or when they do make a run because that's what they brought him in here to do. They brought him in here to be that missing piece. And he's playing like that missing piece. I mean, really, that's the main reason the offense is moving the way it is because of Kirk more or less than Dalvin, in my opinion. So now here's my question. You come back after a bye week on Monday night in Seattle against probably the MVP of the NFL, if it's not Christian McCaffrey. Say he loses that game. Where does all the skepticism go then? I think, I mean, it'll depend how they lose that game. Does Kirk go out there and manage the game and they give himself a chance to win at the end and he doesn't perform and they lose on a two-minute drive or – is that the defense allows Russell Wilson to go do whatever he wants. I think that a lot of it now, the focus has shifted from Kirk and has shifted to the defense, and that's good for Kirk. Um, I mean, it's always good when you can kind of take the pressure of the world off and like, okay, go blame someone else for a little while and let me do my thing. 
And Kirk's kind of capitalized on that and let it kind of maybe ease his mind a little bit to just focus on playing. So, yeah, another primetime game, another time to get a statement win on the road. But those are the games you got to win if you want to be contenders, and especially in the NFC. The NFC is so stacked right now that I don't know how many more games the Vikings can afford to lose and still hope to make the playoffs. Right. And you talk about this week. Do you see this week at all being a trap game? I don't necessarily know a trap game. I think it's going to be a, a big match. I think this week is going to be more or less a juggernaut swinging at each other and who can sustain coming off the big wins. I mean, Seattle comes off a big win. Minnesota, they're both going to be riding highs, but, I mean, it's Newton's Law. What, what goes up must come down. So, I mean, who can who can sustain that? Who Who can sustain the high level and find ways to level themselves out without dipping too low? And, I mean, that's really going to be what it comes down to is who can maintain – the elite level of football versus the average level of football. Talking with Jeremiah Searles, former Vikings offensive lineman. All right, before we let you go, Jeremiah, tell me what you think of the Gophers and their chances uh, to continue. Uh, I know this is painful for you, but you're a college football guy. You want to be I Mr. Am. College Football Analyst now. Oh, so, big so red. You got yeah. to put it aside and tell me what you really think of the Gophers. You know, I'll be the first to eat my words, but I will say this. I, they're playing very, very, very good football. Um, Tanner Morgan is probably one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Ten West right now. He's making great decisions. that helps. He has two NFL players on the outside, and Bateman and Johnson, um, who are incredible talents. But the big thing is you can tell that whole team knows that they're playing above potential or even probably above the, what they should be. They've broken through their ceiling, and that's a dangerous team to play a team that has no fear, a team that knows that they're on borrowed time as far as when it comes to talent and they might not match up the best with everyone else, that's a dangerous team to play because they are just rolling right now. I mean, they absolutely crushed Penn State. It wasn't even as close as the score was. And looking at them, it's like, wow, if they beat Iowa, they win the West. And they were looking at a chance, in my opinion, if they went out and they're playing Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, they're playing for a win-and-in spot in the playoffs. <laughs> and that's just not wild. To me even, that is wild. That's wild to me to even come out of my mouth. Like, the fact that I'm even saying that, I agree. I don't know if anyone beats Ohio State. I think Ohio State is the best team in the country, which also makes me want to throw up. But <laughs> You're it, welcome. It, it, it's, a, it's a truth. It's a truth. I mean, Ohio State's incredible, but Minnesota's probably the best team in the West right now based off of pure looking at them team-wise, maybe not the most talented team, but best overall team in the West is the Minnesota Gophers, even though I'm not a huge fan of Row the Boat. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is. it does feel crazy, and it hasn't felt right uh, all week talking about what happened in that game against Penn State. But here we are with the Gophers in the driver's seat uh, to go challenge for a playoff spot. That is a real thing that's happening. Uh, Jeremiah, always great to have you on, man. I wish you the best in your recovery from surgery. But, you know, they got Disney Plus now, so you should be good. <laughs> Oh yeah, lots of lots of Lizzie McGuire and uh, you know <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> All right, thanks, Jeremiah. Man, thanks for your time. Absolutely, see you, Booney. See you, babe. Jeremiah Searles. There, um, I had to put out the quote on Twitter like a blind dog in a meat house. Meat house. That's a, uh, is that a like? Is that a yeah? Typical. He used to love that one. That's a good. One. <laughs> that was a good one. He used to love that. You know what's great I is I, I mean. You can run across these football sayings, like no matter how long you're around the game, one that you haven't heard before, and I Find have not heard one. that one before. That's yeah. a great one. Blind dog in a meat house. And I'm going to use that in a regular 
just daily that's, setting. That's uh, fair. So I, I want to um, ask you, Alex, because we've got a few minutes here before Hot Routes, and I have allowed Judd to write Hot Routes, so this is dangerous. No wonder I what's haven't checked there. them out before. That's fair. Yeah, did he forward them to you? Nope. Okay, well, that is a mistake on his part. <laughs> Shooting off the hip. Let's uh, go, baby. Yep. All right, well, I'm going to forward them to you right now while we're talking. But I wanted to ask you about what you think of this Colin Kaepernick workout, because it's made headlines that the NFL itself organized a workout for Colin Kaepernick, which is not something I've ever heard of with any player ever, where basically from the very top they're saying, all of you NFL teams, you have to go watch this man throw a football and run around. It's very unusual, and uh, Eric Reed said he feels like it's a PR stunt, but it's sort of enshrouded in secrecy. There's no media allowed. Teams have said, yeah, we're going to send somebody. We don't know who, we don't know how or when. And it's like, well, what is really going on here? Do you think he's going to play in the NFL again? Man, I, I... I don't know. And to be honest, I would have loved to have had him on the show today just to ask him if he really thinks that this is really going to happen. Because everything from like when we first, like this came out, what, like three days ago? Yeah. Hey, by the way, there's going to be this huge workout for Colin Kaepernick. You're like, wait a minute, why aren't we finding out four days before the event? All right, well, who's going to be there? We don't know. Right, right. We're not sure. Who's he going to throw to? Don't know yet. <clears throat> so, what are we going to do here? Don't know. Like, nobody has any idea what's going on. And when you ask the league, they're like, we don't even know what's going on. We're <laughs> right? not sure. Roger, Roger said everybody has to meet in Atlanta. Did you see that they just came out with a report that the Falcons were like, hey, by the way, we didn't tell them to do this here. Like, we have no idea what's going on. We were just told <laughs> to do this. Like, and now teams are being asked. And listen, I feel some type of way about kneeling on the flag, okay? I understand mm-hmm. why he's doing what he's doing. And I will never kneel on the flag. It's never going to happen. I bow my knee to nobody. But I get why he's doing what he's doing. Like I understand his purpose behind it. But I just don't think that right now it's going to happen. I think that if the team wanted him on the team, they would have called him and been like, hey, man, what's up? But the problem becomes the media would grab a hold of it yeah. and just run with it. And right. it's like... Hey, listen, if we're on a really good team right now and we're, man, we're really pushing the playoffs, do I want to bring in a guy that's going to have to answer a million questions every day? Every single day, it's never going to end. Right. For my team. I can't do that for a backup player. And whether he's a backup, because I'm sorry, but if you're going into the playoffs, he's not just going to show up and be your starter. He's right. going to be a backup. And no backup is worth a million questions a day because, you know what, as much as we don't care, there was never an issue with skin color in the locker room, ever, not once. We were like, dude, whatever. You're my teammate. You're my brother. Let's go do this. So for that to come in now, like it would just, I think it would disrupt the team. And so many teams are like, listen, man, we're, we're, this is really tough year for everybody. <laughs> like The NFC is really separating itself. And if you're jumping on this train, you've got to be all in. And I don't think those are the questions they want to have to deal with. So let's say, though, that you are, I don't know, Washington. You're out of it. You're a bad team. You could bring him in and deal with the firestorm that's going to go along with it. And you're absolutely right. I can understand why teams at this point would not want that if they're a competing team because distractions are definitely real, and that would be the ultimate distraction of not just uh, reporters who cover the NFL, but probably the President of the United States would weigh in on what you just did. Everybody. Right. Then it would be the entire – it would be Fox News and CNN and MSNBC – and uh, I think that has impacted certain players before when they transcend football and then become like a Tim Tebow f- figure, where yeah. Tim Tebow probably should have continued to be a backup in the NFL, and instead he 
uh, nobody wanted him because he was a distraction every time he was there, that he transcended the sport. And it was probably frustrating for everybody to have that many people around the team all the time asking questions. But if you're Washington, you could take on the firestorm now and you could play him in a couple of games to figure out what you actually have here. Does he still have it? Does he still have the burst? Does he still have the arm strength? Has he been staying in shape? Can he pick up your offense, whatever you're running at this point? Um, and then you can know whether you want him to compete to be your future quarterback. Cincinnati might have the same argument. Cincinnati, I mean, who cares about Cincinnati, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, no one cares about them when they're good, much less when they're 0-9. If he was brought in, and I'm sure it wouldn't go super well, but Ryan Finley's playing for you right now. Right. I think teams like that have a legitimate... Um, case to do it and could sustain whatever the firestorm was for a couple weeks. And we know, Alex, that just in this world in general that we live in, things come and go real quick. Like, it'll be this week, it'll be some huge controversy with the president, but then next week there'll be a squirrel on water skis and everyone will cover that. It just, it's, it's, that's kind of how the world works that we get over these things so quickly that I think if you're the team that's willing to deal with that for a short period of time, you probably can get a good quarterback out of it, or at least a very good backup quarterback out of it, who should be in the league because the NFL should never be allowed, just like no business is in the country, to collude against a single player for any reason, even if you don't like what he did. Yeah, I'm I'm just going to be honest with you here. I think the owners are like, listen, my guys go through a lot as it is. The last thing I want them doing is telling everybody their political views. Number one, I'm the owner. I don't care what their political views are, okay? Number two... I just don't want to have to keep answering all these questions. Like it's, this isn't one of those things that's going to die off. This is something that has forever changed this country. And people mm. can say whatever they want, but it's changed Nike. It's changed Colin Kaepernick. It's changed this country. There's still problems from it. There's good things that have happened from it. But whatever it may be, this was a turning point. And a lot of people were like, wow, man, like kneeling on a flag. Some people didn't like it. Some people didn't care. Like it really put a lot of people in an awkward position. And more importantly, it put people in the locker room in an awkward position because I I know that I was in the league and it was like, hey, we're going to kneel on this flag. And it's like, listen, man, my brother was a Marine and lost nine guys. I'm not kneeling on a flag. Number one, I don't want to die myself. Like, that's just not going to happen. And all of a sudden, the guy's like, oh, what's up? You're not with us. And no, dude, it's not that I'm not with you. I'm, <laughs> I'm taking the hits for you, dude. I'm up front taking these hits for you. Like, I love you, but I just can't do that to those guys over there. I'm, it's not who I am. You see, all of a sudden, it's pitted a team against each other. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. do I want to do this right now? No, dude. We're done with it. We had our time. It's over. It's, it's almost been exterminated. But now, all of a sudden, it's like it came back in a huge way. And it's really kind of weird how it came back. Yeah. From a, and, and from his perspective, I don't think the goal was ever to divide locker rooms and no. divide the nation and everything else like that and have the the president calling players sons of bitches or anything else like that, which uh, it, crazy. Got, it got crazy out of control really, really fast. And uh, yeah, that I don't know if you can put the toothpaste back in the tube there, but I also look at it as, you know, there are a lot of players who, for whatever reason, have been firestorm type of players where they're going to draw a lot of attention for one reason or another, and teams are willing to take those hits to bring them in because it's the smart thing to do from the football perspective. Um, what do you think of him as a quarterback? Like, do you think he could start for a team? Do you think he would make a great backup? Not not a team that he's going to take someone's starting job who's like, you know, Drew right. Brees or something. But in terms of being one of the 20 to 25 best quarterbacks in the NFL. 
it's hard for me because I only saw him in one system, and that was a very unique system. That was a system that was predicated on the run game and the quarterback run game. And I think that when you're looking at that, there aren't a lot of teams that do that right now. Well, they do, but they have their quarterbacks, and they're like, hey, listen, we're good right here. We're not even trying to bring in controversy. We're not even trying to mess with this guy because sometimes you're not even thinking about the whole locker room. You're just thinking about one guy. What's going to happen to my starting quarterback if I bring this guy in? You even look at these young quarterbacks, right? Like Mason Rudolph in the Steelers, or you talk about a guy like uh, Kyle Allen in Panthers. It has nothing to do with the team. Sometimes they're just like, we don't want to mess with the starting guy, Mm -hmm. right? He's in the room. All of a sudden, Cap walks in. What does his ego think instantly? Now I'm fighting for a job when we just want you to fight for a win. We don't want you to fight for your job. You have your job. You just got to go out and win the game for us. And now all of a sudden, he's like, man, if I go out and play bad, this dude's going to get put in. Right now, all of a sudden, you've just messed with your own quarterback. There's so many things that go into making decisions. You never realize it until you're actually one of the guys in the room and something happens and you're like, whoa, what the hell just happened? Right. Who is that guy and why is he sitting in this room? No, 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 dude, we're not doing this. And they're like, yeah, we're doing it. You're like, (laughs) oh, boy, this is going to get ugly quick. Just watch. And it does because certain people can't handle things like that. They're not mentally strong enough to go, you know what? This is my room. Welcome. Yes, you can sit there. This is my room, though. They go, oh, man, now i got to fight for everything. And they just flip over instantly, and they don't want that. So I just I don't think it's going to happen. And I, I guess that would be the sort of tricky situation that if you were going to do it, it probably has to be for a really good franchise, like when the Eagles brought in Michael Vick. I mean, that was as controversial as you could ever find of a, right. of a topic at that time, and they were able to kind of take the hits there with Michael Vick being on their franchise because it's the Philadelphia Eagles. And at the time, they were very successful. They had a longtime coach. They had a lot of veteran players who had been there for a while, and they were able to deal with that. And maybe if a team was going to sign him when it came to, I don't know, March or something, where you've got so many other things going on that you could – work past it but you're right that this topic has gone way beyond just hey this guy's controversial in football it's gone to all the way to the top and um kind of everybody has an opinion even if they don't even watch football so um yeah good stuff alex alex boone matthew collar we've got some hot routes we're gonna have some fun when we come back with judd zolgad i allowed judd to write them today which is dangerous i can tell this worked out um situation yeah well that's right he's supposed to be a writer if you can (sighs) believe that um also we've got ryan harris who used to play for the denver broncos won a super bowl with them and uh, he's a sports talk host now in denver to discuss the denver defense and, and how the vikings will look against it. We'll do all that next hour. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Collar has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Street! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Rods on Purple Daily. 588! 397! Okay, a slightly abbreviated version of Hot Routes. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad is in, and Alex Boone. And we have Ryan Harris, former NFL offensive lineman who now works Sports Talk Radio in Denver, who is going to break it down for us in just a few minutes. But ramp it up. Let's get right into it, Jonathan. Mm. I have allowed Zolgad 
to make the hot routes today. And I think you've I've done, never done I this think before. You've done well. I think you did a good Thank job. Thank you very you much. Really captured kind of the spirit of what we're going for. Maiden voyage um, for me. Tom, Maiden voyage. Buddy. So I'm still going to read them. Tom Brady. I don't want. I don't want to. Says that he can play until he's 46 or 47 years old, which I'm sure Bill Belichick is grumbling loudly at the idea. He's already run two good quarterbacks out of town in Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett. Uh, What NFL quarterback do you guys believe or wish had pressed his luck and played longer, played into his mid-40s? Because quarterbacks did not used to play as long as Tom Brady. So, Alex, why don't you begin? So I picked a guy, uh, I picked actually two guys that I remember watching when I was younger, and there was one of them was Steve Young, and the other one was Rich Gannon. And I know, that especially Steve Young, I wish he would have played longer because I enjoyed watching him, his toughness, and I just the way he could take over a game was fun mm-hmm. for me, especially as a young kid. Like, you were like, so listen, I was always like the super fat kid, so I was never allowed to be the quarterback, <laughs> but I was always like, yo, guys, I'm going to be Steve Young. They're like, dude, you're too fat. Shut up. I was oh. like, ah, Terrible, what but shame. just to watch, just to watch him run around. Good thing you earned some money off of that. I know, right? <laughs> Terrible confidence booster. <laughs> Fat kid. This went into a deep oh, place. Thanks, John. Do you want to talk more about it? No, Alex. We can break it down. We got we got no. uh, eleven minutes. Until right, Brian comes on, if you right. just want to open up here. Uh, what do you got, Judd? All right, I've got one that actually, because I believe that this guy could still be playing today, especially with the protection of forwarded quarterbacks, because that's the key here, right? Guys got out because in Aikman or Young's case, their brains sadly were mush because they got hit so much. Gunslinger, Brett Favre. He could oh, say yeah. he could still throw the ball. There is, there is. Think about the rules that would protect him right now, which, by the way, have come a long, long way since the massacre in the Superdome. And I'm telling you, Brett Favre, he can still sling it. I would have Brett Favre could have played till 50 with that arm. Mine would have been Brett Favre. Otherwise, otherwise, I'm taking Dan Marino. Give me that guy's arm. Give me that guy's mm. skill at the quarterback position. Give him a better offensive line. Give him hopefully a better team. Get him out of Miami main, mainly. Put him at put him in. Keep him in as 45 years old. Yeah, Dan Marino. Give him some maybe better knees. Yeah, really could. He almost came here, you know. There. Yeah. Danny almost got him here. That would have been great. Um, I'm going Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly's last game, he was concussed by the Jacksonville Jaguars in the playoffs. and I think it was Jags. And it was a very sad way for him to just be sort of carted off. And that was it. And he never played again. He had talked about when he was 38, I think, coming back for like the Ravens contacted him or something. So wouldn't that have been crazy if he was the quarterback of the Ravens when they were just building up their, their great team? He retired at 36, though. 101 59 and 59 was his uh, win loss record. I would have loved to have seen Jim Kelly play for longer because he was great. Um, sure. The Cowboys were missing a defensive tackle in the first quarter on Sunday and had 10 men on the field, which was hilarious. And no one called timeout, even though two linebackers saw it. I didn't realize they two linebackers it. saw they it. They said we saw it and we didn't want to burn a timeout. That's that's fair. Um, that's amazing. Okay. Uh, All right. Delvin Cook went for 30 yards, of course, on cool. the play. What is the dumbest mistake you've seen an NFL team make? I think I have a good one here, um, but why don't you start, Judd? Since you came up with this question, uh, I know you had something. Oh yeah, he's got something to bring up. I do indeed. It's up my sleeve. It's also from the massacre at the Superdome, two thousand nine yep. into January two thousand ten, <laughs> and you are going down the field to go to your first Super Bowl since what the nineteen seventy six season, January of seventy seven, and all you have to do is kick a field goal, and you end up not committing a dumb play on the field because that happened, but not before you had. 12 men in a huddle because you had so much chaos on your sideline. That poor Fahu Tahi, who got blamed for this, 
came out into the huddle, and out of a timeout, you had 12 men in the huddle and took a five-yard penalty. That is the dumbest thing I've seen at the most inopportune time. It's fair. Alex? I mean, I'm sure you've seen a lot. <laughs> I've seen everything. And I was trying to think back to like one of the dumbest things, but I'm, I'm, I laugh when I say this. I'm not going to name any names. But I've seen two guards pull at the same time. Like one thought it was 94 power and the other thought it was 95 power. I've seen two guards completely run into each other. <laughs> and it is the funniest thing you could possibly imagine. But it hurts like hell. Let me tell you something. And we still don't know who was right and who was wrong. But I've also seen a guard not pull on power. And that is even funnier because when everyone is like, dude, why did you not pull? And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, so that was you sometimes. No. But like you look at the, you're like, dude, it was 94 power. They'd be like, oh, God, do you think they know? Like, God, <laughs> you didn't pull, dude. Of course they know. Like, you can't imagine what a coach says to you on the sidelines when you come off the field and you don't pull on power. We'll ask Ryan Harris what he thinks a coach will say. That's great. That's Pretty funny. Um, <laughs> Jonathan? Uh, mine would be back in the Metrodome days, Michael Vick's big run to win the game, the Vikings tackling each other off of Michael Vick on that run. That would have been. That's right up there. That's good. That's uh, that is a low. Greg Beaker <laughs> completely depleted. I felt bad for him. For me, it was when Dick Duran decided to allow late in a game against Tennessee. He uh, declined a penalty to allow them to kick a field goal to go ahead by two scores and essentially end the game, rather than push them back ten yards on a holding to make it third and long and push them out of field goal position. The most unexplainable, baffling decision I think I've ever seen. I remember it was Rod Baronis who kicked the long field goal to put them up, whatever it was, 10 at the end of a game, two scores where they wouldn't be able to come back when they could have made it third and 20 on the other side of the field. And instead they were like, no, no, let's make him kick the field goal. It was was astonishing. And they lost and he got fired. Ask what happened to Dick He was fired right after the game. (laughs) It's funny and, you say that because well, go ahead. Well, the owner of the uh, Tennessee Titans at the time was very old and gave the Bills the double bird after oh, the Bud game. Adams. Yeah, yes. I remember Bud that. Adams oh, gave him the double bird. It was that yeah. game. It was the double. I bird remember game. that. Okay, yeah. Now that yeah. you mention it, did you hear the report about asking Kyle Shanahan if he thought that they should have just tied the game instead of losing it? Like, yes. looking back, would you have rather tied it going instead of going in? Like all, and it was like that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, no, absolutely not. I loved when Frank Reich went for it on fourth down. I didn't like the play call, but last year, and he got criticized yeah. for it. Like, wait, why would you not try to win the game? Right, he's done it all year. Andrew too, Luck like. is your quarterback at the time. Like, I, I'll just take my chances there. All right, our uh, third hot route here, and our final one before we get Ryan Harris on. Jared Goff has fallen to 24th in the NFL.com quarterback rankings. He's had a bad season, obviously. Which quarterback were you sure was going to make it and uh, had some success before flopping? Mm-hmm. You want to go first, Alex? Yeah, I got one, and it's a guy I played with, and he's a great guy. I love him to this day. I think he's a great dude. I see him on TV all the time. David Carr. I mean, talk about a guy first overall pick ever for the Houston Texans. And just, I mean, I felt bad because I remember watching some of those games and it was like, man, this poor guy is getting decapitated. But (laughs) just after that, man, he just never really did anything. Bounced around. I ended up playing with him with the 49ers for a while. And he's just a really nice guy. Knew a lot about football, but, you know, I felt bad for him. I, I remember at Fresno State, he was. They had hyped him up a lot. Yeah. And I remember his brother, I feel like, kind of got drafted a lot off of him. Like, they were like, man, it runs in the family. The brother's going to be really, really good. And, I mean, to me, that was one of the biggest kind of, like, ups and downs. 
I've got a guy that beat the Vikings in 2012 in his rookie year and got off to a great start, and I thought this guy brings a style of play that we have seen a little bit of, but we're going down a path that's going to be great to watch here. RG3. Mm. RG3 in 2012, his rookie year, 20 touchdowns and five picks. He was phenomenal. He looked like a perfect fit there. And that year was great, and it came unglued. But that was the guy, because I thought we are looking at a guy who's going to develop and be a potential superstar, not a nice player, a superstar. And that thing came completely off the tracks. That was going to be my pick. I'll have to think of another one while Jonathan talks. (laughs) Sorry about that. What do you got, Jonathan? He's on the phone. He's on the phone calling Ryan Harris. Dang, I don't have any more time. You know, there was a moment for EJ Manuel where I thought I, gonna, I thought you'd go Buffalo good. guy. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, you probably yeah. saw those yeah, are the ones too. that I covered the most. And there was a game where EJ Manuel was playing against the Cleveland Browns, and it was a night game, maybe it was Thursday night football. And he was just balling. Like he was yeah. really playing. And the Browns weren't a joke at that point just yet of that season. Hoyer had a good year that year. So there it was a good game back and forth. The Bills had a decent roster. And he was balling, and he rolled out to his left and took off. And it was like, whoa, is this dude Ben Roethlisberger? Like, look at the way he's running and throwing the ball around. And they hit his knee, and he went out of bounds, mm-hmm. and it was like a meniscus thing. It kept him out a few weeks, and he never had the same confidence after that. They begged him to run more. They were like, dude, you can you can use that skill, and he just never would do it. He was anxious in the pocket. It was something about that injury that seemed to throw him off. So even though he didn't have, like, this long period of time where he was a good quarterback, that was the sort of sea change moment for him in his career that I, I thought kind of threw him off. All right, we got Ryan Harris. Jonathan, we good to go? That's uh, that's hot yep. routes. We go. do it whenever we feel like it, and it's always great. All Three right. great questions Love right it. there, by the way. Three great, great questions, job, Alex Boone. Thank God, you very much. You were incredible today. <laughs> Yeah, um, we'd get Ryan on here. All right. Well, here here is Ryan, and Ryan, this might be the most bizarre question you've ever been asked to start a mm. um, an interview. But um, when someone forgets to pull on a power run, what happens at the sideline? Oh man! Uh, <laughs> uh, I told clean, you, clean, clean up crew, clean up crew on aisle five, whatever the yard line is. I mean, you forget to pull. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to they might bring out the scarecrow on you and trot that out there to get in the huddle and throw you <laughs> off the field. Dude, it was it was bad. Let me tell you, Ryan. Everyone was like, yeah, dude, it was 94 power, too. Thank God, not five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, or the concussion protocol starts right away. You were yes, supposed to pull. Does. What happened? I don't know, coach. I don't know, was it me? Concussion Check protocol. him. Uh, Ryan Harris, he was is a former Denver Bronco, a Super Bowl Fifty champion. He does sports radio now in Denver, and I got to ask you, Ryan, now that um, Joe Flacco is out, Brandon Allen is in. I couldn't pick Brandon Allen out of a lineup. I have no idea what he looks like or anything aside from watching uh, the last game against Cleveland. What can you tell us about the quarterback situation there in Denver? Like, does Brandon Allen have a chance to win this job? Where does Drew Locke sit in all this? And now Cam Newton potentially being traded. Teddy Bridgewater is a free agent. I mean, what what is Denver's deal at quarterback? Uh, first, I just got a text from uh, Brandon Allen. He says he doesn't know you couldn't pick you out of a lineup either. Well, so it's you, true. I'm on the radio. You can't see me. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, it's what Brandon Allen brings, you know, and first of all, listen, Joe Flacco, an incredible career. Uh, you know, he's got a herniated disc in his neck, which I can tell you as a veteran, you guys are making some decisions. I mean, he's in his third year, I believe, of uh, of making $20 million, and all of a sudden you get a neck injury like that. I mean, that that's a – that could be a, a career ender there. But what it gives is new life to the Broncos. Listen, Joe Flacco 
was not going to win them games. They knew that bringing him here. He just wasn't going to lose you games. But it turns out at the quarterback position in the NFL, you need somebody to help you win games. And at the end of the day, even his quote, you know, getting after the offensive coordinator saying, you know, we're not, we can't even take a chance. And my, my initial response is, bro, you're the one at the line of scrimmage. Change the play. You don't like it. Change the play. And he wouldn't even do that. So now you got a fresh breath of air with Brandon Allen who can move in the pocket, help Noah Fant get his first 300, or I'm sorry, first 100 yard uh, game on only three receptions. So he was creating offense and he brought a victory. Uh, for the Denver Broncos. Now, he's going to have his hands full specifically because he didn't throw to the left side of the field the entire game over the Browns in that win. Uh, but he's going to have his hands full, particularly because of Everson Griffith, who uh, plays that defensive end on the left side of the offense. He'll be going against Garrett Bowles. And in regards to Drew Locke, you know, he's a young player who needs some experience. And how good Brandon Allen is determines how much we'll see Drew Locke this year. Ryan, I'm glad you brought it up because I was just about to. I'm not even worried about your quarterback. I'm worried about your offensive line holding up this work against this defensive line. What going in this year? There was so much hype about. Oh, we got Mike Munchak, and it's going to be different. What went wrong there? Well, and I had Mike Munchak at Pittsburgh, and he's a phenomenal coach. I agreed. I tell him all the time, if I'd have had you, I'd have been. You know, I might have had more than one Super Bowl ring. What the hell's wrong with you? Um, <laughs> but I'll tell you. First and foremost, they lost Juwan James in the first game of the year, and then they lost him again in the Browns game uh, to a sprain, uh, to, to a knee injury. Now, and, and that was one of the largest deals. He's the second highest paid right tackle behind Trent Brown at the Oakland Raiders, and you haven't had him all year. And Garrett Bowles is just a player who he, he came. This is the this is the you know caution in getting a player who played at some place like a Utah. He didn't see intense competition like he was in the Big Ten or the SEC or. Right. even if he played at Notre Dame, right? He didn't see big, stout guys who are also fast and can bend, and he struggled, particularly because he's what we call a grabber. I was somebody who punched in the NFL. i got to get you away from me. I want to disrupt you as quick as possible. And oftentimes, stronger guys, especially if they're stronger in college, start grabbing guys, and that's where the holding penalties have come. In addition, Ron Leary uh, has had a tough year, even though he's the leader on that offensive line. So there's been some key injuries. Uh, lack of growth and and also some aging that has really affected the offensive line for the Broncos. Where is this team then, too, as far as the process goes? Because obviously there have been coaching changes. Uh, John's been trying to find a quarterback now here for a few years. Just as far as this process of, if it's not rebuilding, certainly retooling, Ryan, where are the Broncos right now in your mind? You know, they're in my mind, and I know this is crazy, guys, but they're a team that's six and three. I mean, they had three games that ended poorly for the Broncos. Two of them on penalties of defensive linemen landing on a quarterback. One of them because Von Miller couldn't pull Jacoby Brissett down. Thought he had him on a sack, and you got to end up pulling a big guy like Jacoby Brissett all the way to the to the ground. And so all of a sudden, you take those three games away. They're six and three. Uh, so they're ahead of the curve, even though they've had some poor offensive play. Um, they're ahead of the curve defensively as well. You guys are going to see uh, on Sunday, Justin Simmons, their safety, probably a pro bowler this year. Uh, he's played every snap on defense last year and is on his way to doing it this year. And they've got some talent, Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant. So they've got some key pieces in areas that are, you're going to need, and they have them on rookie contracts. you just got to solidify the offensive line and the quarterback position, and you'll have some great success. Talking with Ryan Harris, former NFL offensive lineman and uh, one of us, a Minnesotan. Um, also, uh, Ryan, you played in the Super Bowl, 
and you won a Super Bowl. And I'm curious when you knew it was kind of for real, like when your team was legit, when you had a chance and you felt like we could really do this. We can really go deep in the playoffs because that's the conversation we're having here about the Vikings. They've got the stats to back it up with the offense and Kirk Cousins playing well. Delvin Cook's playing like an MVP. But I don't think fans have reached that point where they truly believe the Vikings can be that type of contender. Was there a moment for you as you guys went down the stretch where you said, you know what, we could actually do this? Yeah, and I can't blame Minnesotans. I mean, we, we by nature, have experienced letdown after letdown. Just a few. Right? I mean, just a couple. Times, I have no idea what you're talking about. Times, yeah. Is there any, is there, are there any kids named Gary after 1999? <laughs> I don't think so, right? I mean, come on. You just can't do it. Uh, but I'll tell you, there, there are three points that, that we knew, and, and the first one was in training camp. And we had, uh, we were just on the ball. We were detailed in our work. We were, we were not complaining. We were focused. There was always a, a forward lean into the work that we were doing. And then we beat the brakes off the, um, Green Bay Packers at home. And we thought, man, this is real. I mean, this, especially defensively, those guys on the other side of the ball, we were like, man, those guys can, those guys can keep us in the game, even if things don't go right on our end. And it ended up happening a couple of times. Uh, but we also had three overtime victories. And that's why I say the Seattle Seahawks are a dangerous team. And I'll be doing the sidelines for Monday Night Football Radio uh, when the Vikes take on the Seahawks in December. But those Seahawks, when you win in overtime, man, everybody shares in that success, and you continue to build building blocks of belief. And that's going to be the determining factor. And a game like this against the Broncos is going to be a big test for the Vikings. You have every reason to beat the Broncos. You have every ability to beat the Broncos. Can you do it? in the face of a bye week and then a big standoff against Seattle? Can you be detailed in your work? And one of the things I always talk about, I read it from Phil Jackson's book, The Rings of Success. He said, "Great te- good teams say it's us versus whoever. Great teams say it's just us. And what that means is that anytime you have the opportunity to whoop someone's ass, you go and you do it and you do not feel bad about it. And this is a game where you'll see literally on the field the mentality of these Vikings and whether they can beat the Broncos on Sunday. Ryan, I have a question because everyone's talking about, you know, this mismatch and that mismatch. I'm looking at this game and I'm basically like, can the Denver Broncos stop Dalvin Cook? And if they can, how are they going to do it? Yeah, they can, and they're going to do it with two guys named Mike Purcell and Derek Wolf. Derek Wolf has 16 run stuffs already in just nine games, and he's been on a wrecking, a wrecking ball, kind of a resurgence in his career the late veteran and Super Bowl champion. And then Mike Purcell's a guy who's on his fifth year in the NFL and third team, I believe, and he has been a, he has been wreaking havoc as well. So those two can stop the run, absolutely. Now the question for me, and one thing I always look at, is the red zone, because that kind of tells you what type of game it's going to be. Minnesota Vikings are seventh in red zone percentage, meaning they're, they're one of the best teams when they reach the red zone of scoring. That means that the Broncos have to score points. So even if they stop the run, they're going to have to stop Kyle Rudolph as he had two touchdowns last week. They're going to have to stop Stephon Diggs. You know, whether they can wear out Adam Thielen and that hamstring if he's going to play uh, will be a question as well. But it really, the off- offensively, Broncos have to score points because that's one thing the Vikings will do. And I know from playing with Gary Kubiak, he wants to score touchdowns, not field goals. And, and I know, um, you know, Zimmer's there, but he- he's going to be doing that. He's going to be thinking that same, have that same mentality. Why didn't Gary end up back there on the coaching staff like was discussed? Because obviously there was a plan in place at one time for that to happen, and then it fell apart, and Gary took the job here with Mike. 
What's the backstory on why Kubiak isn't on the coaching staff for the Broncos in 2019? You know, the 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 thing what Vic Fangio said this week is that, you know, they said that they would have a talk about it, they had a talk about it, and it didn't work out. And, you know, Gary was in the room and and I'm not going to I'm not going to uh you know, I'm not going to sit here and say some things that I've heard because I don't know whether they're true or not. And I respect Gary so much and I respect Vic. Uh and I can tell you from playing with Gary Kubiak he knows how to win offensively in the NFL. And if there's anybody who disagrees with that, you know, with that assessment, just look at his record and look at what he's done everywhere he's been. And if that's not something that people want or if parts of his staff are not something that people want, then he's, he's got no problem going somewhere else, which is what he did uh, in coming to Minnesota. So no coach has more respect in the NFL than Gary Kubiak, and uh, it just didn't work out in Denver. Hey, Ryan, before we let you go, I want you to give us a Minnesota sports take not related to the Vikings. Like, we got Gophers going on. Andrew Wiggins is playing really well for the Wolves. It can be modern or it can be old school. Give us Just give us a hot Minnesota sports take since you are one of us. The Minnesota Wild will ruin the Avalanche's chance at a playoff, at a playoff appearance this season. Oh, wow. You're believing in Boudreaux, yeah. huh? Hey, man, you know, I just like saying Boudreaux and plus having a show <laughs> off here in Denver. They hate that I'm a Wild fan. And, uh, Have you seen the Wild play, uh, Ryan? Because I, I yeah, hate to kill I your know, mojo know, here. but I know, but hey, you wanted a hot take. You didn't want a thoughtful take. You didn't want a logical <laughs> take. You wanted a hot take. Hey, that's there you right. Go. That's a hot you take. You can't ask for biscuits and get mad about the warm butter, brother. <laughs> Very good point, Ryan. Hey, quickly, best athlete in in the history in your mind of Creighton Durham Hall High School is whom? Joe Maurer. I'm telling you guys, this guy we had him line up to kick the football one time. He booted it 65 yards. He's still one of the best quarterbacks I've ever played with, and uh, and one hell hell of an athlete. And it was funny we had him on my show, and he said if he had to pick, we were talking about how you know parents force kids into one sport. He said he would have played basketball. Let your kids play multiple sports. I wrestled. I played baseball. Let your kids have fun and let them choose later on in life what they might, what they want to be, and they just might be a Hall of Famer. Man, that, I mean, Fair. that would have been cool to see him become a quarterback, though. He would have right? been a great quarterback, like, that right? Been sweet. Yeah, that would have been great. He um, still could. I, I don't think. Hey, <laughs> right coach gets at Florida State. They better give Joe Maurer a call. <laughs> Make a comeback now. Nearly forty. Yeah, maybe could, if they're going to offer Deion Sanders the job, they might as well look at uh, Joe Maurer for a coach there. Anyway, right? Uh, it'd be just he's as ridiculous. Got eligibility. <laughs> he's got eligibility. Uh, Ryan Harris, great to have you on, man. This was fun. Thanks a lot, guys. Yep, Peace. Take care. Uh, that is Ryan Harris, a Minnesota native, and as you mentioned, Green Durham Hall. And uh, fun stuff with Ryan Harris. Very cool. So let's uh, take a break. I wanted to know, though, what he knew behind the scenes about Kubiak's departure. Oh, yeah. and uh, didn't you, Alex? Yeah. Yes. That doesn't I, seem like much. I asked Matt over text, if, and maybe we'll get an answer, but we'll see. I don't know. Well, uh, even Gary being here is weird. Like yes. All off season, we kept asking people, so why did you hire Gary? How did he get here? Did he just like drive through <laughs> and be like, oh, I think I'll stop. This, this performance center, huh? I, like, I, like performance. I really like Egan. Right? Yeah, this is a, it's beautiful this time of year in April. So let me just stop by. Oh, you want to offer me a job? Uh, it's never been really answered for how he became the offensive And he and John were Vikings. so tight. Yeah. Elway and him were right. like best buddies mm-hmm. or were. Um, Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, Judd Zolgad. We'll take a quick break. Uh, I want to run our scenario from earlier by Judd and get his reaction about 
Kirk Cousins and the end of games. And then we'll yeah. continue to discuss and our favorite matchup that we're looking forward to in this game. We'll do all that when we return. It's Purple Daily here on Score North. I don't know about shooting the breeze too much. Uh, once in a while, you know, maybe a couple times a week I'll walk down to his office or uh, sit down and just ask him questions. Uh, you know, it's you don't have a lot of time to sit around and, you know, just chit-chat, but um, we, we usually go down and spend 10, 15 minutes there. We do. We have lots of time to sit around and chit-chat. In the media room, when we're waiting for practice to get over, it's like, what do you guys want to do now? Just like anybody, you guys just, talk a lot. You know, just got any work? We didn't to do, used to talk as really. much as you guys do. Yeah. How do you know? You're not even in there. Because when I show up, you guys talk a lot. Yeah, we do. And in, back in my day, we talked a little bit, but not that that much. We were oh, busy. Okay. We had a lot well, to do. Sorry that I get along with my. I don't like to get along with people. Cohorts. Boone uh, can tell you right now. It's not important. <laughs> back here on Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, and Judd Zolgad. All right, Judd. Let me present you with this, and you can tell me your reaction, and then Boone, you can react to the reaction. Uh, Let's say, Judd, that you had a choice between having Kirk Cousins with the ball, needing to go score a touchdown, so down by four points yep. in a playoff game with two minutes remaining at his own 25-yard line. So it's kickoff, down by four, Kirk Cousins has the ball. Mm-hmm. Or you can be up by four with the Vikings' defense on the field in the playoffs, up by four with the other team on the on their 25. So you get that choice. So same exact scenario. Same just, exact you're scenario. flipping the teams. It's either the Vikings have the ball or the other team has the ball. And you're going to assume that the other team is good at football. I mean, it's yeah. either New Orleans or Dallas. Aaron Rodgers or maybe or something. Green yeah. Bay. I got gotcha, you. Yeah. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Uh, I am going, let's see, in that situation where I have to where I have to ride or die with Kirk Cousins, I am going with the Vikings defense. Because I'm going to assume by the scenario that you're talking about that we're talking about the playoffs this year. I am going to give Zimmer the benefit of the doubt and say during the bye week, he's going to find something to fix at least some of the bleeding on the pass defense, which is the one thing that right now concerns us all, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I really want Kirk Cousins to have the football, as much as I love Dalvin Cook, uh, to have to throw the football a bit, that much pressure, this offensive line? Absolutely not. I'm going defense. I'm taking on I'm taking on Drew Brees, Rodgers, Garoppolo. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't. I can't listen to that. You're not. You're not going to honestly sit there and go, Drew Brees. Go ahead, have your way with me. You're not. not no, because I'm confident in my defense that I can no, cont- stop it. You're him. not even going to do. This. No, you're going to be like, listen, Kurt, go win the game like we've oh. been doing. Oh, just go do what we've been doing. Hey, listen, the screen game is destroying people. Until you can stop it, it's a threat. You're adding threats every single week. Now all of a sudden, the defense goes, okay. Not only do you have to stop Dalvin in the run game, but now we can't pass rush the quarterback anymore because he's got a screen game. Oh, and by the way, there's play action and there's drop back. There's so many ways that this offense is evolving. The question that I had for Matt was, is Dalvin having a good game or a bad game? That's the only question I want to know. Off of that, I made my decision. But mm. I still think that you're going to pick the offense because mm. of all the, the, the way that Dalvin's been playing lately, the way that Kirk's been managing the ball well, throwing the ball well, winning games for this team. Everything's coming together. I don't think you want to be like, listen, Go ahead. Good luck with that. Because you know what? As much as we joke about it, there's been times where I've played in games like, dude, this is a scenario that nobody wants to live. Drew Brees with two minutes left, two timeouts, and he's driving down the field, and you're like, dude, this you couldn't make this up if you wanted to. It's just going to happen. Weren't you in the game where the Falcons had the ball, right? 
Yes, and, and we got the interception. Yes, that's they drove right. all the way down, yeah. and Navarro caught the interception uh-huh. and ran it ninety six yards, and then ran out of breath because somebody almost broke his sternum. <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm not going to name names, but that was the last game of Candlestick, and Boys to Men sang a concert after it. It was incredible. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. I, did you stay for dude, the concert? Of course we did. Are you serious? We were on the field with Boys to Men on the last that game is pretty of Candlestick. Cool. That was yeah. the most amazing time of my life. I loved Candlestick, by the way, Booney. I loved it. Yeah. I did too. I tried to get one of the lockers, right? And they were yep. like, dude, you can't. These Why? are all going into like the Hall of Fame. I go, oh. Dude, all of I'm them? St- I tried That's... to steal one. No. You should have been so given at least all, one. What about a chair? Give, Could you get a they chair? They give us chairs. Yeah, we oh, got okay. chairs. Well, that's a good prize. I got a chair from actually Kizar Stadium that was in Kizar and then went to, to Candlestick. Really? Cool yes. From Kizar, cool huh? Yes. Dude, Jim Marshall, cool Wrong Way Run, Kizar Stadium. Oh. Yep. That is really cool. I know, and but they were saying that the lockers were getting donated, a.k.a. sold off to Harvard. <laughs> yes, exactly. They're like, hey, listen, nobody wanted the chairs. You guys can have those, but the lockers, we got a lot of money for those. They can't have those. Well, a chair is still pretty cool from that Oh, stadium. totally cool. Kidding uh, me? You know, I, I think in, in this scenario, I would take the Vikings offense, and it, it's not so much a Kirk question, though it usually is. Like yeah, Usually right. this is, do you trust your quarterback? I certainly trust Drew Brees more than Kirk, which is why I wouldn't want <laughs> Drew Brees to have the football. Um, but even if it was Jimmy Garoppolo on the offensive side there, I think I'm struggling a little bit with how Dak Prescott cruised down the field and would have won the I'm game saying, had they not handed I off. I think that gets largely, I, that's got to be fixed. That, that would or be, you're not a good play. I mean, you're not a playoff team. You then. probably are a playoff team, even with a but mediocre you're one defense. But, but you're one and done. done We're talking about are. a contender here, right? Um, what are you guys talking about? But, but I also think, well, how much you would trust the defense in that scenario is a big part of this. Mm-hmm, and, right. and my answer is not as much as I would have in years past. But making it a purely Kirk Cousins question, like, do you want him to have the ball? I would say yes because of the pure number of people who can make a play. Like, it just doesn't have to be all Kirk, like Russell Wilson the other night running around shredding tackles and finding someone 15 yards down the field. I think he can throw a short pass to somebody and they'll make a big play off of it. I think he can heave one up if he needs to into double coverage and have Stefan Diggs or, or Adam Phelan go up and get it. That it isn't so much that Kirk would have to be a different quarterback than he's ever been before. It would only be that can he get the ball into somebody's hands who's a special NFL player and then get down in the red zone where they've been really terrific and they can potentially run the ball? Even if in that situation, even if you don't have timeouts or whatever, if you can get down right. there with enough time to hand the ball off to Delvin and score, throw a short pass to Delvin or get, get it to Rudolph, I, I think that the number of weapons is why I would pick the Vikings offense. Agreed. And I think that the one of the biggest things that's going to obviously – obviously hamper us this week is going to be the Thielen thing because I think teams are going to have a better understanding, especially a Vic Fangio, a guy who like lives and breathes in coverage. He's going to be like, hey, listen, one of their biggest threats is out. This is huge. But And again, you turn around and you go, well, listen, if we're not going to throw it in the red zone, we're just going to hand it to Dalvin because he's going to run you over anyways. Like, screw your little tiny windows. We're going to open up a new window with Dalvin. And that's why they're so – and it's – you know, and I wanted to ask Ryan, like, how much of this offensive scheme makes – Dalvin looked this good, and how much is actually just Dalvin running through people? Because to me, there's really three guys in the league that have separated themselves a head and shoulders above the rest of the league in terms of running backs. But 
you talk about these guys, and they're all in like these really nice schemes that fit well for them. But a lot of it too is them just breaking through tackles and running people over. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, you can account for a lot of things, but can you account for somebody's will? Can you break that guy's will before he breaks yours? That's the real question. I think it's a combination. It's Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski deciding what works best for Delvin Cook, and then him running through people. When a nose tackle gets two hands on Delvin Cook and does not bring him down, he gains ten more yards. Like, whoa, this this guy's running through everybody at this point. Do you guys do you guys think though? Dallas seemed to me to to begin making business decisions oh, about yes. 33 very yep. early. I I need to see more because I'm not convinced that everyone's going. I mean, Dallas is as they're ta- they've got some talent. Don't get me wrong, okay? But they are as poorly coached team as I have seen. That was pathetic. And so I need to see more. I I give the Vikings credit. They went into a tough environment and won. But there were a lot of things that I saw from the Cowboys where I said, okay, impressive Vikings, but man, Dallas, are you underwhelming? So I do need to see some more. I think think people are... They just want to keep looking like, Judd, what are you looking for? There's nothing else. December 2nd. No, you're... Listen... I get it. Seattle up there, it's a tough place. Yep. There are some places that are tough. Viking Stadium is tough to play in. If mm-hmm. they get say the problem is right now the NFC is so loaded that they're at six. Right? They have the number one league rusher right now, and they're sitting at six. They also have a really great defense. They just have a rough secondary right now. And the offense is cleaning itself up. But you talk about the teams ahead of you, like you're gonna have to play all those teams on the road. If you got the Vikings at home through a playoff stretch, man, that would be some special. Like, especially now with the stride that they're hitting. Mm-hmm. The, the the problem is I'm not so sure they're not too late because, you know, some teams, it's hard for a team to carry momentum the entire season, you know, and right now you're talking about a, a Vikings team that, yeah, they're going to be able to hit a bye week, which is great, but you still have to carry the momentum into Seattle. And then from Seattle, you got to carry it on. And that's, I mean, that's a tough thing to do. And the NFC is really, really hot right now. That's interesting you mentioned that because there was a study on which weeks, like which section in, in quarters of the season is most predictive to whether you'll have success in the playoffs. And it was the third quarter of the season. So we're kind of in that right now of figuring out who this team really is. And the Cowboys win went a long way. And I, I think this one actually will too. And I'm going to give you a statistic because... Alex is a big PFF fan that I'm going to give you a couple of numbers that you're going to, I think, say, you know what? This game might be more legit than we initially thought. We'll be right back. You're listening to Purple Daily, Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, Judd Zolgad on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. This download brought to you by AutoZone. Listen to Score North. With Amazon Alexa, just say Alexa, open Score North, and you'll hear the soothing sounds of Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd with Rami, and much, much more. Just say Alexa, open Score North, breaking breaking twins news. According to Ken Rosenthal, Jake Odorizzi is accepting his qualifying offer. Sources tell The Athletic. Looks like he'll be back with the Minnesota Twins. Twins fans, your thoughts? Let us know over at Score North on Twitter, at SKOR North on Twitter. Are you in search of a car battery that won't let you down even in the lowest temperatures? AutoZone has you covered. They have the proven tough Duralast batteries you need to pop to plow through winter. They're tested in the most extreme conditions, so you can count on them to deliver when you need it most. Just visit AutoZone.com to learn more. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan, Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, and Judd Zolgad here for a few more minutes before Mackie and Judd with Rami. And here, let me give you guys this stat. And uh, it's um, a little, what would you call it? Um, 
hard to fully explain how this all works at once, but so I'll just give it to you. Um, Pro Football Focus gives grades, like overall grades, to teams. And so they rank them, who has the strongest, basically, performance by all the cumulative efforts of the players. Okay, does that make some sense? And so you have the Vikings, 49ers, Patriots, Saints, Ravens, Rams, Packers, and weirdly, number one is the Dallas Cowboys, which probably tells you about their coach. That if their players have performed this well to have the highest grades, but they're 5-4, and then their coach is probably bad. Uh, Well, with Denver, I don't think that's the case. I think their quarterback was bad. They're ninth. The, so they're a top 10 talent team so far this year, but they have a three and six record and Ryan Harris laid it out that they could easily be six and three. And guess who the number one run defense by pro football focus grades are is in the entire NFL. It is the Denver Broncos. So Alex, tell me, how can the Vikings offensive line handle the top run defense team in the Denver Broncos this week? Well, number one, you got to block them. <laughs> to tell that you, boys, is a which, great you analysis. Do your job. That's the end of the show. I don't know everyone. what to tell you. No, I'm just nailed kidding. it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Listen, I think that if you want to, if you want to really go at this team, you're going to have to run the ball, and to do it, I think you're going to have to pitch the ball. And I love what they're doing with Dalvin, and I've said it for weeks. I love that they get him the ball as soon as they can, and they give him so much space to operate because he has this vision, unlike a lot of running backs. And I've played with running backs where you're looking at him like, dude, how do you not see that hole? It's right there. He's one of these guys. That you're like, wait, what are you looking, dude? I don't, I don't see what you're seeing. But he just trusts himself and he takes it. And, you know, when you talk about a running back like this, when you get him on the edge, we've said this before, you let him make the cornerbacks make the tackle. Let's see how tough your cornerbacks really want to be. I mean, I get it. They're going to be great when it comes to pass defense and they're going to be all excited. When Dalvin Cook's coming around that corner, I don't think your cornerbacks are really going to be like, yeah, dude, let's go tackle him. They're going to be like, hey, you make that tackle. I'll just be here in case. And that's where, to me, they're going to really gain a lot of ground is because you're beating up the cornerbacks. You're not going to have Thielen, so you're down a threat. And to Vic, that's going to play into his hand because he's extremely smart when it comes to defensive pressure, when to pressure in the secondary. So what what's the most important thing here, the quick game? Because the one thing that I don't want to see them do at all is get confident and, you know, drop Kirk back and have Kirk try to navigate the pocket. I would think that to stick with the the quick game to Delvin, to Irv Smith, heck, some passes to Kyle. He can't run, but he he can certainly catch. But that seems to me to be the formula. It's not that teams won't deduct it because they will, but that seems to me to be a formula at least that can get Kirk in rhythm and can start to work for you. Right, and that's how you get his confidence going, right? And all of a sudden, you're Correct. playing. And, and let's not forget, dude, this defense, this pass defense is really good. Like, this is where Vic has made his money. And obviously in Chicago, he had some better players, to my, in my opinion, on defense. But he had Khalil Mack up front. I mean, obviously you lose Bradley Chubb this year. You still have Von Miller and Derek Wolf. And, and while I understand Ryan's sentiments about Derek Wolf, I still think he's an one of those guys that can be blocked. It's not like he's going to be like, dude, this guy in the middle is going to wreak havoc. Like Mike, I played with Mike Purcell, and I played against Derek Wolf, both of them. They are both blockable at the same time, and this scheme is going to fit them well because, listen, Mike's a big guy, and I know that when you get big guys running sideline to sideline, they get fatigued very quickly, and then all of a sudden you start throwing play action at them, and they start to have to start to think, and a defensive player thinking is always a dangerous thing because you don't know what they're going to think, right? And then they're tired, they start slacking, and then all of a sudden that's when Dalvin starts to get in a 
groove and the offensive line starts to hit him a little bit more. But you do have to watch out for Von Miller because that dude is still a threat on the edge. Yeah, and that's the thing about the game in Chicago is yeah. it was interior pressure to some extent, but Khalil Mack just ruined the game. And Zadarius Smith did the same thing in Green Bay where he was in Kirk Cousins' face all day long making plays, and that seems to be the Achilles heel of the Vikings when they go against some edge rusher who can just change the game, even going back to last year with Jerry Hughes, who blew by Riley Reef a couple of times and injured Riley Reef, strip sacks, and then all of a sudden you're getting upset at home in that game. And I think this possibility still exists, though unlikely that the Vikings will actually lose before you go for the week. Alex, what do you think? What do, what do we got for an outcome here on Sunday? Listen, I'm going to be fair and honest. I don't think that this Broncos offensive line knows what they're getting into. And I get that they have Philip Lindsay and they think they can run the ball, but they still got to play the Vikings defense. And, and I don't think it's going to be good for anybody. I think that this is like a two-score, three-score win. There you go. See, that's why I'm not concerned. I'll, I'll give it tomorrow, but I tend to Denver. lean in the same Denver doesn't worry me. Same direction. Go on the bye, enjoy it, come back, beat Seattle in Seattle, prove something. Shut me up. Real quick. Ooh. Real quick before. Uh-huh. I'm I'm sort of fascinated by Denver's quarterback situation though because in a way it's fun to not have any idea what the hell you're doing right in the future. <laughs> what? what? I mean, just, no, I for, just for the yeah. future, you're like, yeah. man, it could be anyone. It could be right. Favre coming back, and he could be our quarterback, right? Um, what, what do you What do you guys think happens? Like, they should be they should be calling Teddy, right? They should yeah, be calling sure. Carolina about Cam. I mean, there's no, a, no, a lot of no, things. No, yes. No, why not? Why not? Why not? No, stop. You I like stop it. What doing? What? What? I want to what? go call Carolina for Cam. Why? Yeah, why not? Cam's Chicago hurt. might. Cam's hurt. Well, he's going to get healthy do? by next oh, year. Is he? Oh, everyone Maybe. says a lot of people are going to get healthy. Dude, That's a you, look at you. You've already went down the wrong road. I'm going to go for the injured wow. player. As, a, as an offensive lineman, I'd be like, really? All the quarterbacks in the world, you go after the one guy that's hurt. Now, let me ask <laughs> you a question. I'm going to let him heal this year let so me he's good to go and then win MVP. No, he's coming back at you, Collar. Watch out. That's great. Let me ask you a question. What happens when he doesn't even play? All of a sudden, you look like the dude with egg on your face. Like, I swear, I thought that he was going to get... It was just a foot. Who needs a no, foot? No, it's, it's a great point, Alex. Denver would never have any success getting an injured quarterback. I, I don't know how John Elway does a job there. I don't want to be the only one that's done How can you not this. find I'm a young quarterback? You're a quarterback. You were a Peyton great Manning. quarterback. I'm with Boone on this. Peyton I can't Manning believe you. broken. They had to oh. fuse his neck did, back on. Did you see oh. those ducks floating through the air, man? He should have retired. They had a side retired. They won a oh. Super Bowl. Oh, he shouldn't have they played that year. That was pathetic. Oh, that was oh. one of the most disgusting things there I've ever some, seen. There were some rough games, I agree with you, but it, it's still Peyton. Some rough games? Oh, it's Peyton. My yeah, patootie, it's Peyton. I, you know what, though? In that uh, championship game. No. Was it the, yeah, the championship game. He actually played pretty well to get them to the Super Bowl against uh, the Patriots, even though his head was about to fall off his shoulders. Uh, Alex, great stuff this week, man. We will talk to you next Tuesday. Thanks for your time. You guys are the best. Thanks. Judd, you're still here. Yeah, I'm so, not going anywhere. I think Boone is sticking around, too, for oh, our really? first segment. Oh, okay. I think we're doing a crossover I was here. unaware. That's All what right. I've heard. Well, Mackie and Judd enough. with Rami coming up next, then. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.